Hello and welcome to the South Carolina Lead. I'm your host, Gavin Jackson, and this episode was recorded on October 7th, 2022 from South Carolina Public Radio Studios here in Columbia. Just so you know, some of the information in this podcast may have changed by the time you've heard it. Now, we got some notes for you here at the top, folks. I hope you're listening. I hope you didn't skip through. If you love the wind down section, I got something you're really going to love. It's a little podcast called South of Spooky, our new podcast that is available wherever you find the lead. That's right, folks. We take you on a lighthearted exploration of history and culture through the lens of local legends and their impact on communities across South Carolina and our region, such as the Gray Man of Polly's Island, the unexplained hauntings at the historic Poinsett Bridge in Landrum, and so much more. We go on the road, folks. AT and I visit these sites and we speak with historians, authors, paranormal experts, and local citizens just like you and me to see how these stories reflect our culture, ways of life, and personal histories. South of Spooky, out now. And another alert for you, fair alert, guys. This is, I hope you haven't skipped through because there's so much here at the top. You're gonna have to rewind if you skip through this point, 45 seconds in. I know what you people do. Fair alert, come see us at the SCETV slash South Carolina Public Radio booth at the fair on October 18th from 3.30 to 6 p.m. We'll be right in front of the Rosewood building near the livestock. Donkey sauce. <laughs> come feed us your favorite fair food. Look at AT's foot and chat with us. <laughs> also, there will be swag. And if you're a lead fan, there will be specific lead only swag for you. Come talk to us, it'll be under the table. I'm talking pint glasses, folks. Pint glasses will be there. Okay, now back to the episode, which features a look at domestic violence homicides over the past year. Senator Tim Scott continues to tease his future while his longtime chief of staff leaves, fueling the 2024 fire even more. We play chicken on the gubernatorial campaign trail and look ahead to next week's lieutenant governor's debate. In business, we have new nationwide unemployment data, data. OPEC announced its market-shaking cuts in oil production, and we get an update on state roads from SCDOT, and a quick medical in which we look at COVID variants, what the cold weather months have in store, and booster data. Of course, we want to hear your stories. That's why we have a voicemail box set up. We want you guys to call us, let us know what you're doing, how great you think South of Spooky is, etc., etc., by calling 803-563-7169. Leave us your name, where you're calling from, and a little message. We'd love to hear from you guys about the mundane to the extraordinary. Now for the latest in South Carolina. Currently, the spread of COVID-19 is low, according to county-level data from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. For the week ending October 1st, there were 3,991 cases of COVID-19, which is down 14% week over week, and six deaths. On average, 269 South Carolinians were hospitalized with COVID-19, 38 were in intensive care, and 13 were on ventilators. Currently, 53.1% of eligible South Carolinians are fully vaccinated. Remember, public health officials are urging everyone to get their booster shots, along with their flu shots this fall. Earlier this week, the 25th annual Silent Witness Ceremony to remember those who lost their lives to domestic violence took place on the South Statehouse steps. The names of 37 women and 12 men were read aloud Tuesday 
as life-sized silhouettes representing the victims were carried by family members on the statehouse steps while a bell tolled. A 50th silhouette represented the potential unknown victims. Now, while 49 were identified in 2021 by incident reports, the most recent state ranking from the Violence Policy Center, based off of 2020 data, puts South Carolina at 23rd in the nation, with 41 women killed by men, or a rate of 1.52 per 100,000 females. Attorney General Alan Wilson, whose office puts on the annual memorial ceremony, had this to say about the data and the future. This year in South Carolina, we had 49 homicides comprising of 37 women and 12 men. The Violence Policy Center just released their annual report that South Carolina ranked 23rd based on 2020 data in the nation in the rate of women, excuse me, of women who were killed by men. This is the second time in two decades that South Carolina has not been in the top 10 of that report. In 2020, we were ranked 11th outside of the top 10, and now this year, we are ranked 23rd. Bear in mind that in 2015, when I stood up here before you, we were ranked number one in the country. And for several years thereafter, we were, I think, top five or six in the country. So while 23 is a lot better than we were seven years ago, it is far, far from where we hope to be seven years from now or even next year. Remember, if you or someone you know is experiencing domestic violence, you can find resources and help from the South Carolina Coalition Against Domestic Violence and Sexual Assault by visiting scadvasa.org. That's S-C-C-A-D-V-A-S-A dot org. No one should ever be hit, shoved, slapped, kicked, punched, or in any way physically assaulted in their relationship. And not all abuse has to be physical either. If you feel intimidated by, controlled by, or afraid of your partner, you may be experiencing emotional or psychological abuse. You should be reaching out at this point. By going to scottvasa.org, there are resources for assistance there for every county in the state. And you can also call the National Domestic Violence Hotline at 1-800-799-SAFE. That's 1-800-799-7233. Moving on, Senator Tim Scott was in Charleston on Tuesday to deliver the annual Greater Issues Address to the Corps of Cadets at the Citadel. While he spoke of the news of the day, his upbringing and journey, he also took questions from the cadets, including one on the speculation of him potentially running for president in 2024. Here's what he said. I will say that uh, one of the greatest blessings in my life has been really to rise to the position where I could even see the nation's capital from where I started. This is a blessed country. And as long as the good Lord gives me the energy and the optimism and the intellectual capacity to continue I hope to continue representing the great people of South Carolina. I have an election in about 33 days, so that's the only thing on my mind. If, if I'm successful there, if I need some volunteers for the next one, will you help me out? Okay, all right, we'll figure it out. Thank you very much. God bless you. So, skirt. Now, he's not referring to a third Senate run in six years because he said this will be his last term. Now, granted, there's another statewide election in four years, one in which the current incumbent can't run again. Mm. Nevertheless, while November 8th may be election day, 
November 9th is the day potential 2024 Republican candidates will need another line to use when asked about running, since their focus on the midterms will be in the rearview mirror. Now, speaking of Senator Scott, Politico reported this week that Jennifer DeCasper, who has been Scott's chief of staff since 2015, is departing the Senate to start her own consulting firm, where she will help guide his political activities ahead of the midterm elections, including advising a new Scott-aligned super PAC. The group dubbed Opportunity Matters Fund Action is focused on voter turnout and digital and mail advertising. Yeah, definitely not fueling more 2024 speculation with these moves here. Now, to clarify, we previously talked about the ProScott Super PAC Opportunity Matters Fund in the last episode and how it's supporting other Senate candidates to the tune of $17 million and also $5 million for the Senate Leadership Fund. That's the Senate Republicans Super PAC. You're going to say, Gavin, that's a lot of money going around there. Where is it coming from? Well, Politico notes that the tech billionaire Larry Ellison has given a cool $20 million in South Carolina businessperson and philanthropist Benjamin Navarro recently chipped in a paltry $2.5 million. Next up, Clemson University announced that the United States Department of Agriculture has announced an initial funding pool of the Partnerships for Climate Smart Commodities, including a $70 million investment into a Clemson-South Carolina State University partnership. The award will provide incentives to South Carolina farmers, enabling them to implement selected climate-smart production practices. Clemson and South Carolina State Universities, the two land-grant institutions of South Carolina, have established strategic partnerships with 27 entities, and the project will focus on representative agriculture production sectors of the state and the southeast, including vegetables, peanuts, beef cattle, and forest products, and this will ensure meaningful involvement of small and underserved producers. Now down to the low country, where the first week of the trial over the state's new congressional district maps has concluded in federal court in Charleston. The trial centers over a suit brought by the state NAACP, which asserts that the new map of the state's seven congressional districts, as drawn by the General Assembly, is unconstitutional because black voters have less power under the new lines. Lawyers for the House and Senate, both controlled by Republicans, say there is no concrete evidence of such discrimination and that the committee process was the most accessible and open ever. On the campaign trail this week, Democratic gubernatorial candidate Joe Cunningham held a press conference while cradling a chicken named Henrietta McMaster. Cunningham used the poultry prop to call Governor Henry McMaster a chicken for only committing to one debate with SCETV on October 26 and not doing town halls with the public while in office something Cunningham said he would commit to along with other debates as offered by other TV stations. McMaster, in response, told reporters, quote, I've been stating my views on things for years now and will continue to do that. But typically, a statewide debate is what is traditionally done, and so that's what we're going to do. Cunningham notes that McMaster participated in two debates in 2018 with then-challenger State Representative James Smith. And while we're talking about debates, a programming note. Tune into SCETV, South Carolina Public Radio Stations, or our streaming online platforms on Tuesday, October 11th at 8 p.m. for the one and only Lieutenant Governor's Debate. I'll be moderating the debate, and Post and Courier Politics Editor Skylar Croft will be asking questions with me of incumbent Republican Lieutenant Governor Pamela Evett and Democratic Challenger Tally Param Casey. Now, if you're listening to this pod on Saturday, October 8th, and you want to vote in the November 8th election and have not registered to vote, you have until tomorrow, Sunday, October 9th, to do so online at scvotes.gov. Otherwise, 
No complaining about how you don't like how things are going here. I don't want to hear it. No phone calls. You got to vote, then you can call. Let's start off business with a look at nationwide unemployment data from the Department of Labor. 263,000 folks were added to employment roles in September and helped nudge down the unemployment rate to 3.5%, which is where we were in July. Now, jobs were added at a slower clip in September than in August and in comparison to the average of 440,000 jobs a month in the first half of the year, which the Wall Street Journal points out is signaling a cooling of the labor market somewhat. Though the labor force participation rate, which measures the percentage of working-age adults who are working or looking for work, eased slightly to 62.3% in September, down a tenth of a point from the prior month. Now, labor force participation gained earlier this year and in August, but it remains well below the 63.4% rate in February 2020. It's pre-pandemic. It's all that data there for you. Well, you got to look at the labor force participation rate. Well, I just did, okay? Now, the Labor Department also noted that the lack of child care is the main reason, here we go, 4.8 million people cited for not having a job, according to the Census Bureau's Household Pulse Survey. Hmm. Now, notable job gains were recorded in leisure and hospitality and in health care. Wages rose 5% in September for the year, slightly lower than the 5.2% in August. And economists still see the supply and demand for labor as out of whack, which will lead the Federal Reserve to continue its mission to tamp down inflation by raising interest rates. Moving on, OPEC decided this week to cut oil production not by one, but by two million barrels per day in a move that will prop up prices and help those members of the Organization of the Petroleum Exporting Countries and its Russia-led allies. Sounds like a great way to help Russia continue to finance its invasion of Ukraine, which it's continuing to bungle and now could soon involve tactical nuclear weapons. Not really sure that would help any financial or commodity market, but hey, Russia is like really well known for its strategic foresight. So yeah, a little tangent there, sorry. But in response to OPEC, President Joe Biden directed the release of 10 million barrels of oil from the U.S.'s Strategic Petroleum Reserve. This according to the White House. While we've seen prices drop since record highs this summer, back when Biden had low approval ratings, prices have, of course, since subsided and Biden's numbers have been inching up as we barrel toward the midterm elections. The administration is weighing options on responses to OPEC's stranglehold on the oil market. Now, Brent crude, the U.S. benchmark, started the week around $87 a barrel and is set to end the week at around 98 Expect some future pain at the pump. The average gallon of gas in the state is $3.33. That's up $0.06 from a week ago, according to AAA. Speaking of gas, you need it to drive a car unless you're driving an electric vehicle, in which case, keep it to yourself. (laughs) They always skip the gas prices. Oh, my Tesla knows when to skip. Now let's talk more about infrastructure and those roads, interstates, and bridges you're driving on out there, if you're actually driving. We recently talked about Interstate 26 expansion efforts, and I followed up with a broader look on how our state's roads are doing with SC Department of Transportation Chief of Staff Justin Powell on This Week in South Carolina. He's also a huge lead head. I know he's probably listening, so he gave us this overview. Take a listen. 
You know, the, the, the 2017 Roads Bill really gave DOT an opportunity to rethink how it's been uh, approaching road work within the state with those new funds. Uh, in the past, we had just done things really just 1% more, 2% more per year. What we did was implement a 10-year strategic plan really to target our investments, really decide on what we wanted to accomplish and to, to, to measure those accomplishments. So we really focused on four key areas of investment uh, through that 10-year plan. So we wanted to focus first on our, our pavements, uh, catch up on 30 years of deferred maintenance on that. And, and we set out a goal to really increase the percent good of our system. And, and since the 2017 Roads Bill has been put in place, we've put over 5,800 miles of uh, pavement out on the street right now. Uh, the percent good of our system, we know we still have a ways to go, but has doubled uh, in the past five years. Uh, we focused on bridges. Uh, we set a goal of 465 bridges. We've now already put uh, 274 um, are either complete or under construction right now. And we've actually raised our goal um, because of the progress we've made to 500 bridges. Uh, third, we have the unfortunate distinction of having the nation's worst rural road fatality rate. So we really want to tackle and address that issue. So um, we set out a goal of tackling 1,000 miles of rural road safety improvements. That's adding rumble strips, making shoulders wider, clearing vegetation, those things that can keep a driver um, either in their lane and if they get out of their lane that they have enough time to correct and get back into the lane. So we've uh, already got over 700 miles of that underway, and so we've increased our goal on that to uh, 1,250 miles um, as well. And then last, um, our, our major goal, too, was uh, working on our interstate system. The interstates are really the arteries of commerce for South Carolina. Uh, really, our industry and our visitors and our residents depend upon uh, that, that interstate system. It's only 800 miles, but it carries over 30% of our state's traffic. So we set out a goal to tackle the uh, three biggest freight pinch points in the state. So that's the Greenville 85-385 interchange there. That project is complete. Uh, the I-26, 126, I-20 interchange, known in the local area as Malfunction Junction. We've started work on that, and we're about to get underway with the procurement for the uh, largest section of that project. That's probably about a $2 billion project. And then uh, later on, uh, once the 20 project in Columbia is uh, well underway, we're going to be working on the 526, uh, 26 interchange. But we also have widening projects interchange projects basically going on in every corner of the state, uh, in the upstate on I-85, on outside of Charlotte interchange projects on I-77, uh, projects on I-20 and I-26 here in the Midlands. And then uh, we are just about, to, uh, we're getting underway with widening projects uh, coming out of Charleston on I-26. So Justin, with less than a minute left, I want to ask you just how all this investment, how all these projects, I mean, we're talking about 26 you know, from Charleston on down, Malfunction Junction, huge infrastructure projects there. How does that position us for the future when it comes to growth, both in population and in commerce? Well, you know, I think it's it's really a positive uh, news story for us because I think uh, with the investments that are going on with the Port of Charleston right now, the deepening of Charleston Harbor, uh, there's going to be significant opportunities, and we have to align the infrastructure to be ready to handle that growth. So I think as you see with I-26 and with the interstate, other interstate projects, we're going to be able to handle it. But I think we also have to look at those needs that we have in our urban communities and our rural communities 
uh, to make sure that they can deal with the, the pressures of congestion, but also deal with the needs to connect all of our communities to the global economy. And so I think with this investment that we're seeing, we've nearly quadrupled the amount of work we have under contract since uh, in the past 10 years. And I think that really just positioned South Carolina well for them. So expect to see plenty of orange cones throughout the state as we continue to ramp up over the coming years. Let them work, let them live, folks. Slow down out there, especially in work zones. And you can catch that full interview on youtube.com slash South Carolina ETV. And just look ahead to next week, we'll have new consumer price index numbers for September. Next Thursday, talking inflation. Short medical section here for you on variants, what the cold weather months have in store for us, and some booster information. Yes, it's getting cooler out there. You guys all wanted this. Now, here you go. You got it. So, there is no better time than now to revisit COVID sublineages. Yes, which strain is going to be the dominant one this winter is still a question to medical researchers as well. Johns Hopkins Center for Health Security notes that the COVID-19 virus continues to evolve with multiple emerging sublineages of the Omicron variant of concern, poised to play a dominant role in the next surge. We've talked about this before. I'm not going to list all those numbers and letters again because several sublineages are increasing in prevalence in the United States as the current strain, BA.5, begins to wane. At this point, it is unclear if the next principal variant would be capable of evading immunity conferred by vaccination, including Omicron-specific booster doses or prior infection with other variants. But researchers are already working to identify key mutations and project their impact. Now, compared to other surges, the forecasted fall-winter surge may not be driven by a single variant, as was the case with the Delta and Omicron surges in 2021 and earlier this year. Here's a fun little note. The World Health Organization recently indicated that they are currently monitoring more than 300 Omicron sublineages. So a lot in play there. Now, Hopkins says several factors point to a forthcoming wave, though. The number of new cases is on the rise in Europe, and the U.S. historically has followed that region's trend. <laughs> Typical. Several emerging Omicron sublineages appear to be more capable of evading immune system protection and therapies, as we just previously noted. Individual immunity from vaccination or prior infection continues to wane, and primary vaccinations have stalled, while booster uptake is slow. And policy and behavioral changes have limited the positive impact of previously implemented mitigation measures, such as mask use and physical distancing. That doesn't mean you can stop washing your hands. If you're not washing your hands... Unsubscribe from this podcast right now. <laughs> oh, look at Mr. Big Time Hygiene. Uh, <laughs> stop the podcast right now. Go to your nearest sink, or if you have some uh, hand sanitizer, put it in your hands. If you're driving, don't do any of these things. And just cleanse your hands for my sake, okay? Sing happy birthday while you're doing it. Okay, back on. Many experts stress that the waning immunity could be one of the strongest predictors of a fall-winter surge in COVID-19 cases, especially if there is low uptake on the new bivalent booster doses, which were authorized in early September. Yes, remember we were talking about those boosters at the top? 
Well, they're available, and some modeling bears out what getting one would mean. Take a listen to this. If 80% of eligible individuals aged 5 and older in the United States receive an updated bivalent booster dose by the end of the year, an estimated 90,000 COVID-19 deaths could be prevented and billions of dollars in healthcare costs could be saved. This according to an updated analysis from the Commonwealth Fund. However, if booster vaccinations continue at their current pace, the nation could experience more than 1,000 deaths per day due to COVID-19 this winter, according to that report, which models several scenarios. Welcome to the wind down section, our little break from the news. We talk about life during the pandemic and we want to hear your stories as well. Tell us your Tell tell us anything. Tell us you anything, know? you know. You know what? Tell we us don't us have anything. to get too much into the news. It's our break from the news, folks. Let us talk about things that are uh, lighthearted, fancy free and fun. 803-563-7169. We're here for you. Be there for us. Especially need AT. It. He needs everything right now. He needs, he needs, you remember from uh, the movie Hook where they had to clap to bring, or was that just the movie Peter Pan in general, when they had to clap to bring Julie Roberts back to life? Yeah. That's what we need Tinker right Bell. now. Tinkerbell. Yeah. I need the claps. I'm a little, little fairy, and uh, I live in a lantern. I sleep in a lantern. Thank you, Gavin. Yes, it's given me so much. Um, uh, yeah, it's tough, but I did just get some relatively good news oh. in that I do not need surgery. Um, You're keeping I got the a foot. Good, a good tear, I heard. Um, <laughs> and uh, uh, now I just have to wear a, what, a three-inch heel, basically, uh, a wedge in my boot, and it is excruciating. I got to tell you guys, I am uh, gutting it out right now. I'm, I'm, I'm not happy. I was writhing while Gavin was reading the rest of this podcast. And he told me at the top before we started recording, let's uh, keep the moans to a minimum, please. <laughs> so <laughs> I'm hey. trying my best here, okay? Hey. Hey. <laughs> Hold together, man. Any, anyway, uh, Gavin, we do have a call. It's a great friend. Good topic. Are you ready? Yeah, head it up. Okay. Hello, Gavin and AT. Actually, you know, I always say Gavin and AT. I'm going to say AT and Gavin. This is your friend, Meg. I'm calling you from Columbia, South Carolina. We're hitting on some of my favorite topics. First off, fall. I'm a fall person. It is my peak season. You both know this. So let's get all the pumpkin spice, all the pumpkins, all the crunchy orange and yellow leaves and just cover ourselves in them and bask in the amazingness. It is currently 73 degrees here in Columbia, which for me is perfection. I have zero complaints. Life is so, so good this season. It's also hurricane season, but let's not talk about that. It's really not a good thing at all. Um, so let's just not focus on that part of fall and focus on the pumpkins. I actually got to witness um, the consumption of Gavin's one and only annual pumpkin spice latte. We were up in the mountains for a little getaway. I captured it on video. If anybody is really dying to see what it was like in person, I just hit me up, DM me. I will share it with you. It was a blessed experience that we could all gather and celebrate that special moment. Also, fair food, none of it is on my diet either now before cancer, during cancer, at no time. But I will say fried mushrooms are the jam. 
um, as long as you have them with ranch dressing. So I'm also weighing in in favor of ranch yet again. And obviously, um, fish fries are amazing, but I do agree that you either have to shovel them into your face or um, I like the chopsticks method. So I um, actually may have to come out in person to witness this this year. Um, much love to all of you guys, and I will see you soon. Happy fall, y'all. That was our resident fall booster, Meg Kennard. Thank you for calling, Meg. Happy fall. Uh, definitely was too blessed to be stressed while we were in the mountains when we gathered. And I had oh, my, yeah. my one pumpkin spice latte, so exclusive. Uh, yes. Like I said, drinking a candle right there, drinking the entire season in one <laughs> beverage. And AT, I will say, um, you know, your, your unfortunate boot situation, which as you said is a three-inch heel. I think mm-hmm. I know someone who would be okay with that kind of scenario. Meg Kennard yeah, would be like, Meg yeah, Kennard. I can handle that. I'll take a three-inch yeah. heel boot. Now, the whole Achilles tendon being ruptured, not the best part, but she's like, it's bad, this yeah. is every day of my life wearing three-inch heels. I can't, I can't imagine wearing two of these things right now. My <laughs> Goodness. You're so oh my chic, God. though. You'd be so chic. Oh, my butt's going to look great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's going to look really good. <laughs> it's going to be a little lifesided. <laughs> it's going to look yeah, I'm going to look really good. Yeah, yeah, yeah so you're yeah. going to have to get another boot for the other leg to balance out, right? Is that how it's going to exactly work Exactly correct. Exactly correct. The Balenciaga. <laughs> it's on. I got a Balenciaga on back order. Um, oh, supply it's gonna take changes. a little. It's Oh, my God. It's really wreaking havoc on my sense of style. <laughs> anyway, Gavin. Speaking of style, speaking of looking good and feeling good. Oh, yes. You got one of the most gratifying (laughs) texts of your life. Years in the making. You've been waiting forever. And I just think it's something to celebrate. Let's talk about it here, okay? Yeah, we were, I I don't know how this came up in the the family group text with me, my two brothers and my mother. But, uh, you know, earlier this week and my, my fraternal twin brother, Colin, Mm. at like 7.30 at night just sends this zinger of a text. And he says, Gav, what's your under eye routine, serum or patches? And I'm just like, oh, my God. Someone is asking for my routine. And he says, I fi- I'm finally on a routine. Clean tone, moisturize SPF in the morning. Clean tone, oh, moisturize at night. Exfoliate twice a week. Th- we're talking about a, a DC Metro cop here, folks. We're not talking mm-hmm. about he spends a, his life a underground. TV diva. And I'm not even talking about mm-hmm. myself here. I'm talking about other TV people, not me. No, not, not me, you, not, not, me, not, me, not Gavin, me. no. Um, and I'm just like, oh, I'm just, you know, in all this and <laughs> the question you've been waiting for your entire, entire yeah. life, what's your skincare routine, bud? <laughs> and I'm going to share it exclusively with our listeners right now. It's mm. been available on our Patreon for, for years now. But yeah, but we're, Patreon, we're unlocking the Patreon here. Okay. <laughs> and the patriarchy. No, and, and Colin's right. wife, Megan, um, she first came to me in consultation in need, I should say, right before their mm-hmm. wedding several years ago and said, was asking me about Botox, and that's a little secret of the pros, folks, if you're wondering how <laughs> ageless I am. When Nikki Haley even said, oh, my God, you haven't aged. I hadn't seen her in three years until I was at a Nancy Mace event. Hadn't seen you. A little brag there. Good job. You look ageless. I'm like, oh, well, Botox <laughs> helps, all right? It's not just a vino and smart water, Jennifer Aniston. There's more to it. So um, mm-hmm. I, I did tell Colin he needs it for the crow's feet because, my God, he's been blessed with Jay Jackson's crow's feet. He that kid that guy is all crow. I got my mother's <laughs> furrowed brow. Not anymore. Mm-hmm. Not anymore. Not, so it's gone. Okay. So uh, what do we what do we so do? Gavin? Just some First basic in stuff. We're not even what are we talking doing? about like expensive things. I'm talking about stuff you can get at Walgreens. Mm-hmm. 15, 16 bucks a pop. I like the CeraVe, uh, just facial 
uh, cleanser. You can also do like Cetaphil or La Roche-Posay. Nothing too crazy. <laughs> it's all like $10, $15, $20 here. You can go high tail if you yeah. want to. There's plenty more there. I have wish lists. But um, nothing too crazy. We all can dream. We yeah. all can dream, okay? You know, this goes back to, you know, having what you need versus the the AT levels, high sophisticated level of dinners. Everyone knows I use the finest cream. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> A true Lemire guy. Uh, yeah. But yeah, so, um, and I said, as long as you're exfoliating without that St. Ives stuff, don't use the apricot scrub, folks. It's going to just damage your skin. You don't want that. But I do a CeraVe under eye cream. Uh, very easy, very simple. Um, it's like 15 or 16 bucks. I also do a Q10 cream, which is just a basic hydrating mask. I'm also mm-hmm. big on The Ordinary. It's a great website. They have a lot of great serums and different things for you. Great price, high impact. My favorite is the niacinamide zinc serum every day, morning and night. <laughs> You put it on, then you put your SPF, your moisturizer on. You're God, good to go for the day. so much work, dude. It's not. It's your face, AT. Like Meg's mother, Jennifer, Dr. Jennifer Kennard said to her once, it's your face, Meg. And my God, <laughs> isn't she right? You can't take it for granted. And all this, it might be a little work. We're talking, what, five extra minutes in the morning? For uh, what? Yeah. As long, as, But, you I, know, boil it down. If you didn't listen to any of it, just wear some sunscreen, folks. My God, that's my biggest sure. mission. Just put some SPF. I use 15. I should probably be using 30, but just put something on, protect that mug. It's the easiest thing you can do. I wash my face with a bar of soap, and that's what I got going on. That's what I got going. That's my whole routine. Um, uh, It's worked for me. Yeah. Glowing Lebanese skin. Yeah, my my Middle Eastern olive skin, it's a beacon of light in the darkest of of times. So, um, So it was just a highlight for me. You know, in my basic, I mean, I just use Olay. Honestly, SPF. I mean, yeah. it's simple stuff. It, it, you can tell that you've had that bottled up, and so I'm, I'm just so happy for you <laughs> that this, this, this occurred. I've spent some time, but now that I know, I know, and I just, you just do it. And then the winter months, you put it all on, and then you put a layer of Vaseline over the face before you go Ugh, to bed. My God, Seal it so in, terrible. This dry weather. Oh, it's, that's how I look. Mm. That's how I, that's how I look. I'm actually 55 years old. There's so much moisture in your skins, you can wring it like a cloth. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 a lot. He's dripping constantly. It is not sweat. That's pure, pure mountain water, actually. <laughs> but one uh, night out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, night. Gavin, put me out of my misery, yes. please, here. Have a good weekend, everyone. Come see us at the fair. Look at my foot. Make Come me look eat at donut burgers. October 18th, 3.30 <laughs> to 6 p.m. We'll have oh, a- listen to South of Spooky. South we worked really hard on it. If you're I mean, not listening, you might get a little treat next week, folks. We're just going to say, okay. book a little treat. Okay. okay. You might make it listen. Okay. <laughs> anyway, have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening. Be like Matt Kennard and give us a shout, 803-563-7169. You can also leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Yes. <laughs> That's what it is, not iTunes. I learned that today. <laughs> you can also find us on YouTube. And stay up to date with the latest news on SCETV.org and SouthCarolinaPublicRadio.org. And don't forget to support your local newspapers. For the South Carolina lead, I'm Gavin Jackson. Be well, South Carolina. The Diet Coke is hitting me right now. Oh, I'm high. I've only read about it. (laughs) 